guys enjoyed the episode. Um, I think you heard me in the recording. Uh, that episode was sponsored by SCW. It's a security camera warehouse uh, and alarm system uh, company out of Asheville. They are a uh, homegrown mom and pop company that has been around for 10 years. They are um, wonderful with customer support, uh, have some of the best uh, camera equipment in the world. They uh, do premium grade, pro grade cameras for residential as well as commercial. And they will also help you with your alarm system at your house, similar to an ADT, but let's put it this way. They do not uh, take any of your data. Um, Anything that you record is your own. Nothing is stolen from your uh, cloud recordings, similar to Ring or or other um, uh, places that that use security as their their backbone. Uh, SCW is again local in Asheville, and we're happy to have them as a sponsor. Go check out their website at getscw.com. That's getscw.com. And um, tell them Mark Zanetto from Point Forward Podcast sent you. Welcome to episode three of the SoCon Sessions. I'm your host, Mark Zanetto. My co-host, John Hooper, is on the other side here. Um, This week, we're going to uh, discuss uh, the SoCon coming out strong uh, for wins for uh, almost everybody in the conference um, outside of Western Carolina playing Georgia Tough. Uh, We're going to get into the depth of of all of the games as much as we can. There's lots to talk about upcoming matchups this weekend. Uh, highlighted by UNCG facing Kansas tomorrow night at 9 o'clock on ESPNU. But without further ado, uh, introduce uh, John Hooper from Mid-Major Madness uh, to my, my co-host for SoCon Sessions. What's up, John? Not much. How are you, Mark? Um, yeah, it's a busy week of basketball. Um, excited to talk about it. Excited to, you know, look at the games coming up uh, this weekend. Um, I think there's one game tonight even, so uh, it should be fun. Um and, and yeah, it's been a whirlwind uh, past 48 hours or whatever. But uh, some good performances, and I think um, some some surprising performances in uh, both positive and negative aspects of as we get uh, to the games and, and kind of break them down. No, I don't disagree. Um, if you look at it, you know, I said most everybody that was probably the worst statement ever to start a start a, a radio or podcast show. Everybody played with the Citadel. Um, ETSU, Furman, UNCG, Wofford, no surprise, all won. Chattanooga, Mercer, Sanford, VMI, Western Carolina lost uh, their opener. Um, you know, I mean, obviously there's some there's some surprises, and there was also some, you know, uh, some good fight from teams. Like if you look at, uh, obviously we talked about Georgia. They were uh, – Georgia, Western mm-hmm. Carolina. Western Carolina was right in it with Georgia, but they ended up losing by 19. Kind of reminds me of the Kentucky-UNCG game last year where you know, everything was kind of even until one team right. kind of outlasted the other. Uh, that score is not really indicative. Uh, wish they could have kept it to 10 because that helps the, uh, the, net, the net ranking, if you will. Um, right. What else? Uh, so we had Wofford uh, with uh, Jay McCauley's uh, first win ever. With uh, Congratulations mm-hmm. to Jay. They beat Erskine College. Um, is that a Division One school? You know? No, it's a Division II. Uh They play in uh, a Conference Carolinas, which is – like, um, so it'd be like Erskine and North Greenville and, and Anderson College, um, a lot of local schools around here. 
Actually, Wofford used to be in that. Uh, Erskine used to be a big rival back in the NAIA days of, of those programs. And so it's a good league, but, um, you know, it's a solid win for Wofford after getting off to a little bit of a shaky start and somewhat surprising halftime score there. Yeah, I was about to say, that's why I was curious because um, of, of where the score was. Um, ETSU beat Newberry. I believe they're also a Division II school in their home opener, mm-hmm. 79 to 50. Uh, St. John's uh, put a put a whooping on Mercer, 109 to 79. Kind of to be expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mercer, Mercer in a transitional year, and St. John's is going to compete for the Big East Championship uh, this year with mm-hmm. Seton Hall. So that's not surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, and, uh, and too, about, uh, Mercer, Mercer did not have their uh, they did not have Ross coming uh, Cummings because he was out with an ankle injury. I did not know that. Well, there you go. That could have made a difference. I don't know if it would have been a 30 point difference, but you know, definitely have been closer. Um, Moorhead state beat Sanford. I think that's kind of a dis, I don't know enough about Moorhead state to call it a disappointment, but knowing their history of, you know, in the HBCU world, it's not the best basketball tradition. Um, Definitely more of a football school. Uh, Sanford, that's a tough loss for Sanford man. that, and it's one of the reasons why I don't. And I, I I know that eventually this will probably get to him. And I, I'm, not not any disparaging against him as a person, but I just I'm not sold yet on Jeff Pageant as a coach, um, or Scott Pageant. I called him Jeff. Sorry. Um, uh, maybe maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I should maybe I should know his name before I criticize him, huh? Um, <laughs> Jeff, no, I mean like I, idea, I'd, I'd be the first person to tell you I am very easily swayed. I mean, in terms of you know, uh, tact, being a tactician, sometimes you just yeah. sometimes the team just doesn't do what you say. But that doesn't mean that you're a terrible coach. It just means that you can't get your point across. Um, well, so, I think you know, know, we probably, uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think he's – like, if you look at how he – and I did an article on this last year. If you look at the kind of the turmoil within the program in which he took over, it was a little bit chaotic. And so I think he's done a pretty good job of managing, you know um, – transfers going out and, and guys maybe not buying in as much um, and, and trying to just use Sanford as a little bit of a stepping stone, Sim, similar to what uh, UNC Asheville's had to deal with a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's got a good team. I, I'm not sure I, I read that, that Moorhead State's an up-and-coming school. Uh, I think they're in the OBC. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh you know, that game went overtime last year, and it was at Sanford. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that um, as the season transpired. transpires. I think what was a little bit more shocking to me was Chattanooga's performance at Eastern Kentucky. Is it, though? Again, like, I, again, I'm not saying again, it has nothing to do with Coach Lamont. It's, it's more just about who they've lost. Like, you can't – like, this is why I think Steve Forbes is such a good coach – because even though he gets talent and he gets guys that stick around, his JUCO transfer, you know, kind of model, along with a couple of freshmen, and you mix in all these guys, and he does it on the fly. I've always said that he's kind of like the John Calipari of mid-major basketball, where, like, it's a new team. And that's why people are so mm-hmm. high on them this year, is because it's such, it's, it's such a difficult process to, to kind of put together players, even if they're talented. Um, you know, in, in the situation that you want him to play with chemistry. And that's where I, mm-hmm. I just don't see in particular because of his experience as a coach, 
Chattanooga really going to – I don't think Chattanooga is going to do much this year. And I hope I'm wrong. I want the SoCon to be strong top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I look at the transfers um, that they got. Uh, I guess it's Matt Ryan from Vanderbilt, Trey Dunes, um, two very – I think Dunes is a very good athlete. I think, uh, you know, they. I think the the guy that's kind of been a disappointment for me for, for them has been uh, Ramon uh, Viola. You know, I, you know, coming from Arizona State, you'd have thought he'd have been an impact big man in this league, right. and really he has. He's yet to emerge um, from what I would have thought would be a you know, a, a league that he could not, maybe not dominate, but, but have some success in. And, and, he, you know, about a good comparison was Guerrero last year at, at Sanford. Um, I wouldn't consider him a dominant big man, but like he had success and he was, he was a good player and he affected the game. I also like, um, you know, Viola has done that at Chattanooga and, you know, quite frankly, I think he's, He's been a bit of a disappointment, uh, yeah. but you know, um, and I think the, the same things have plagued Chattanooga uh, under Paris, and that's going like long scoring droughts for them have, have been a problem, like finding points and when, when there's a little bit of adversity. You know what though? That's that's the and that's the difference between uh, where certain programs are. Like for example, um, you know, I'm I'm a homer, but you know, going to going to the UNCG game against A and T. The big question going into that game, I was doing the pre and post and talking to some coaches uh, prior to the game. Where's UNCG going to get their points from? No Alonzo, no Demetrius Troy. You lose your backcourt. You know the offense mm. fl- flowed through Francis for almost you know, almost all four years. Where do you where do you go right? And mm. the answer was you play suffocating defense and you get transition points, but that come in bunches and you struggle in the, in the half court a little bit. But because of of the way your makeup of your team is able to score in an unconventional way, that helps against mm-hmm. teams that are not, not that good. Like at North Carolina A&T, really athletic team, just struggles. Um, I think the coaching staff knows what they have um, mm-hmm. you know, over there in the MEAC. Um, they have a chance to get better, but that was, that was my interpretation from UNCG. They're going to get scoring by committee. It's going to be fast break. It's going to be breaking down defenses, kick out threes, stuff like that. It's not going to be – um, you know, for example, like if you had Ross Cummings on UNCG right now, um, they would probably run some sets for Ross coming off of screens. You're just not doing mm-hmm. that. The only, and the guy that they could do that with, Michael Hewitt Jr., still had four threes mm-hmm. last night or two nights ago, and it was in transition. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're going to do that. And I think that's something that Chattanooga might want to learn from in that respect is, look, we don't necessarily have a guy we can run offense through, but we do have athletes. We do have guys who can you know, put pressure on the ball. And that's not that's not easy. That's easier said than done, right? Hey, if I said to you, John, hey, let's do the most difficult thing possible, and it'll lead to success. It's not always the best. It's not always, you know, uh, the easiest sell, right? Well, yeah, that's true. And and I think unless you're unless you're you, you know what you're doing, like Steve Forbes, you shouldn't just go out and grab a bunch of transfers. I mean, um, it's it's it one toxic, thing that's. Uh, it's one thing to go out and see, like Steve Forbes knows the the landscape of what he's doing, like right, uh, right. I, and so I don't think they didn't take a bunch of JUCO transfers at Wisconsin when Lamont Paris was there. So like, what makes it? There's not a quick fix. Like uh, Coach Ritchie sure. says all the time, you know, so many coaches out there, and he's not being specific for any coach, but 
he was like, you know, if you look at, you know, they just try to fix it right away. You lose a great player like uh, Matt Rafferty or Francis Alonzo. It's it's easy to just go out and just uh, just try and get somebody. Oh, we got to replace this guy. But you you know that's not. Sometimes uh, coaches maybe. Um, I think what he's saying is they they go too quickly and they try to fix everything when you don't need to fix. It's nothing you need to fix. It's just something right. you need to like. You just need to adapt and and figure out it's a different team and a different season. It is more what he was saying. Okay, um, and so I would add to that. Let's let's dive into um, the teams that we're the most familiar with, just based off of proximity. And um, you go first. Talk, talk to me about – I read a couple of your tweets about Furman and how different this team looks from from a, from an offensive standpoint. Um, give me your you know first impressions. They had probably had the toughest opponent of anybody uh, in conference that won a game. Um, you know, uh, Mercer yeah. obviously probably had the toughest appointment, oppo, uh, oppo, opponent in St. John's, but they lost. Mm-hmm. So, Gardner-Webb, yeah. NCAA tournament team, gave Virginia a scare for about 14 minutes last year. Um, mm-hmm. t- tell me about, tell me about that game. Oh, it was an interesting, it was a good atmosphere. Um, I didn't realize they hadn't lost at home in two years or like in four games. It's a good team. It's a good squad. Yeah. And, um, well coached. Um, they're got, I mean, they're going to be a factor in their conference this year, obviously. Uh, I thought the biggest difference for me was, um, Furman, you know, they had a little bit of a 12-2 run there, you know, in that second half, and then here comes Gardner-Webb, and they cut it to, like, two um, with, a tw- I like, a 12-0 run of their own or something. And so, like, uh, here's Furman, and when they had to defend, they defended. Like, when they had to, to get a stop, they got stops. And when they had to score, they scored. So, I mean, it's it's pretty simple, but, like, um, the maturity is is evident, and I, I think that's probably the best defensive team that Coach Ritchie has had. Um, and, and just from a physical makeup standpoint, I mean, you look at Gurley and Mounts, they look like two completely different people because they've put on like 10 to 15 pounds apiece. So it makes them a different uh, team, and that was kind of what I was tweeting last night, you know, just, to, to be able to compete with UNCGs and the ETSUs of SOCON, you've got to have guys that can go in there and be physical. You know, I mean, you can't just, you can't just uh, rely on outside shots to beat people or, you know, stuff and stuff like that. And, I, you know, I think that was an important change that Furman made is, you know, they're not, this is not Matt Rafferty's team of a year ago. It was, it was different because you could, you could run so much through Matt Rafferty, but this year is a completely different dynamic. And, um, you know, and I think that that's something that, um, I think that's something that, that Tim Johnson, the assistant coach who came from Wofford, obviously spent a couple of years at James Madison has been a huge, um, that's been a really big hire for Furman because you can tell the development of their big men, uh, both Mounts and Gurley. Um, on the interior, and um, from a physical standpoint, they're a lot more physical basketball players. Yeah, um, that's good to hear, man. I mean, listen, I think I, I like Coach Ritchie. I think they're a good squad, um, and, um, you know, I think that they're very highly regarded. I think a lot of people thought that 
you could flip a coin between uh, UNCG and Furman as to who's going to finish second in the league or where they are right now. Mm -hmm. um, in the College Insider poll, I think UNCG is 15 and Furman's 14, some, something mm -hmm. like that. I know ETSU is third, mm -hmm. which is great. Um, I and think uh, that's awesome. 14. And uh, it, it's, yeah. I don't. I think. I think. For, I think Furman's ahead of them in that poll. Oh, is it? Uh, okay, maybe, maybe yeah. they are. I I, I'm, I'm almost positive because I was like, I'm curious what those voters did versus what our SOCOM media did. You know what I mean? That's why That's right, why yeah, I looked yeah. at it and went, oh, okay, that, you know, whatever. It, it is what it is. It's so early. But, the coaches um, vote on that poll? I think they do. Is the coaches right? vote. That's 100% that's okay. a coaches vote. Um, okay, cool. So, so from my perspective, UNCG um, – See, I'm, I just mentioned it, a, a, you know, a couple minutes ago. I got there early. I talked to um, a couple of assistants from UNCG. I talked to some radio folks from A&T. And what was supposed to be kind of a – I know it was an 18-point spread, but don't, get, don't, don't look into that. It was a 14-point or a 17-point spread last year with Francis Alonzo and that group that almost, you know, mm -hmm. you know gave Wofford some, a run in the, in the last game. Yeah. Um, and they won by 12. So or eight actually yeah. it was an eight point game so it was closer than most people expected again on the road, but this team really impressed me with its. And I'm going to name one kid. Everyone knows who he is, but you know he was because he was a high recruit. Is uh, Keyshawn Langley? Um, mm -hmm. He's supposedly the the worst of the two Langleys, which is kind of silly to me. They're both so good, um, especially as yeah. freshmen. So this That's was this was his good. this. This was his line uh, in, in the game against A&T. First college game ever um, in Coliseum with just under 10,000 people, just under 9,000 people there. It was a packed house. You have playing against his brother, I mind you, um, older brother, I mind you, against A&T. Seven points, six, rebound, six assists, four rebounds, three steals, zero turnovers. Right? Wow. Zero, and that's zero the, the key thing is zero turnovers as a freshman. Yes, right? Because you, you, yeah. you can compile stats. I mean, we see it in the NBA with a guy like Russell Westbrook. He'll have a triple-double would have like 12 turnovers. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's because you're trying to do too much. These, the, the thing I think I love about this team, and I'm so excited about watching them against Kansas on Friday, is they're, they're, they're 11 deep when everybody's healthy. Um, they're, they went nine deep last night, 10 if you count. Ryan Tankovitz, uh, the sophomore, a walk-on mm -hmm. that came in with four minutes to go. Um, who hit a three, by the way? I when think the crowd, his, the crowd bro crazy. his brother played at Western, I think. His, yep, good friend of mine, Tom Tankowitz. Uh, yeah, up and coming and will soon be a head coach. If there's a guy mm -hmm. who is literally attached to the hit, hip of Wes Miller, it's Tom because he, he lives, eats, and breathes basketball. Played at Western Carolina. Still a very good player to this day. And uh, mm -hmm. it's really cool. That's another great story for Greensboro is they have – uh, Ryan, who's a player, and, and uh, Tom, who's on the staff, which is a really cool thing. Yeah, cool. Um, so anyway, no, well, so what I take away, this team is more of a uh, drive and kick team. Um, Caleb Hunter had an, a really good, nice nice game, starting to see him come into form as one of the top players in the state a couple years back, coming back from injury. Uh, Michael Hewitt mm -hmm. Jr. hit threes. The old old faithfuls of James Dickey and Kyron Galloway did their thing. Um and I, my another big big performance from our freshman was Boz Later, the six foot ten kid from the Netherlands, via New mm -hmm. Hampshire school in, in uh, up in New Hampshire. Eight points, four rebounds, um, shot eighty percent from the free throw line. I think it was four or five. People are calling him Jordy two point Jordy Kuiper. It's that to me does not fit. And this is no disrespect to Jordy because I think we're going to have him on the podcast here in the next week or two, all the way from Iceland. Uh -huh. I, I love Jordy's like a brother to me, and everyone that is a fan of SoCon basketball. 
especially ETSU fans, got a, a really good liking to Jordy because of how good a guy he is. This kid, Boz, later is, um, is 25 times better than what Jordy was as a freshman. And that's no disrespect right. to, to Jordy at all. Um, so mm-hmm. it really is an encouraging start for a kid who, when you see him, he's so slight of frame, you think he wouldn't be tough. He was pretty tough under the boards. Um, I think it's a, it's a nice find and a really good um, pickup for, for Coach Miller and, and, uh, and, and, and the staff. So really like the way they played. Uh, defense was suffocating. The thing that one of the coaches from UNCG said is where we're going to find our extra points is by making point guards, quote, unquote, tap out because of how much pressure they can rotate on the ball between Malik Massey, the Langley Twins, and Isaiah Miller. So you have four-plus mm-hmm. defenders that are going to – and they have lots, a lot of fouls. So you can really be right. aggressive and dare, dare an official to, to call a foul on you um, mm-hmm. and go from there. And one last thing on UNCG, and then we'll move on to ETSU and Wofford and Jay McCauley's first win. Um, Dorico Williams has not been cleared by the NCAA at Clearinghouse. He is not redshirting. Okay. That, that's, that's something that's been floated out there. Uh, I think kind of ridiculously by some fan fan yeah. sites and some other bleach report that. stuff. There, there's no truth to that. If you saw the live post game that I posted of of Wes uh, live on Twitter with his mm-hmm. um, post game, you could tell he's visibly upset with the NCAA's decision. Not only to not clear the kid, but you know that process is the process. You can't taking so but, much time. It's taking so much time. Yeah, but it, but almost um, it's 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 less about that for I think for Coach Miller. It's more about he's not even allowed to sit on the bench. This is a kid who's been in school. He's going to class. He's been pre-practiced with the team until he was told not to, right? So yeah. this, this kid should still be allowed to maybe not dress, but sit there in his sweatsuit the way Muhammad Abdul Salam was because he's injured and Kobe right, Langley right, right. And, and, and hang with his teammates, not be behind mm-hmm. me in the front row, you know, cheering them on with popcorn. That's silly. You know, and it's not right, – right, right. the kid's not broken up about it because I think he knows he's going to play at some point, maybe yeah. in January. But that, and, and to quote Wes, I don't know what that does to for, for, to, for the a, enhancement of a student athlete. What does that do? It's ridiculous. It sounds like it sounds like a little bit of a petty rule to me. A hundred percent. Judging from an objective point of view, I don't see why I, there's a big problem if a kid, if, you know, wants to sit on the bench. I mean, if yeah. he's not going to play, what's what's the big deal? I mean, um, uh, I just don't. The, it, yeah, I don't get like it. He's not a part of the team, so. <laughs> It's, I mean, that's that's where I get into my whole NCAA rant. That I, um, it, it's just like, okay, so now you're going to – and then this is the thing. It's like a double standard. So you're going to say it's okay for, you know, athletes to get paid. Well, that's fine. But And then you're going to say it's not okay for somebody to sit in street clothes on a bench. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous rule, and on top of it, not to go off too much on a tangent, but it, it has nothing to do with, for everyone out there that thinks I'm a homer, if, if, if Coach Forbes had a player who we thought was a dynamic recruit, he had trouble getting through the NCAA clearinghouse, and he was sitting in the front row of Freedom Hall with the fans, that's a travesty. If it happens at yeah, Furman, if it happens at Wofford, yeah, right. it's stupid. It's just a dumb yeah. – listen, it's as dumb as when you're watching NFL football or college football and they say, oh, that's not reviewable. Because it's a judgment call. <laughs> Everything else is reviewable except for the the, the, the for hardest the calls. Call. Right. So to me, um, like this is one of those. In basketball. <laughs> right. The there the are game. some things they've deemed unreviewable, and this is one of those situations where it bothers me to no end that a kid who is being given a scholarship and given an opportunity to play basketball not only has to go through this whole 
transcript transcript thing, which is not his his fault. Number one, mm-hmm. it's the adults in the administration of the schools he's been at, and now he's penalized for it even further. But anyway, that's here nor there. Yeah. Let's move forward. Um, Jay McCauley gets his first win, you know, against Newberry. Mm-hmm. We talked about that quickly. Um, really happy for Jay and that staff. Uh, Greensboro native Isaiah Bigelow gave them a nice little boost. I think he's going to be a really good player mm-hmm. for them. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think they. I think that you know they they kind of came on in the second half, and I want to congratulate Jay as well. I think he's well welcome to a new little uh, little girl into the world. Uh, oh, that's yesterday. right. Yeah, yeah that's so awesome. That's great. Send uh, our congratulations to him, of course, not only on his first win, but for his his little girl. So, um, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> you know I was, it was funny. I was joking with a couple, uh, a couple of people that I talked to from Wofford. Um, Matt Vaughn, I don't know if you've seen him on Twitter or not, but you're like, I wonder, if, you know, if if your first game and then your your wife's pregnant and she's, you know, she might she's in labor or whatever. It's like, how can you be like, how could you be any more nervous for like both situations? You know, I mean, it was just kind of a, a funny dynamic, but uh, it ended up working out pretty good for him and really good for him. And uh, and I'll say, you know, I had Nathan Hoover. Um, I, I think he's one of the best players in the Southern Conference, and you know, I totally you know, agree. I, I even I would have had him first team, you know, on my first team or whatever. And um, I, I just am impressed how he moves off the ball. I'm impressed at, at the things he he does without the basketball as much as I am with what he does with the basketball. And for sure, um, for for me, I think he's the key to their season. I, I think w- one of the keys is that. You know, he knows he's not Fletcher McGee, but he at the same time, he is the go-to guy. Now. He's the guy that's got to make big shots in big situations. And he has the luxury of having a point guard in Storm Murphy who has made some big shots in big situations and is a guy that sent over, you know, shot over 40% from three last year. So they've got some good shooters. And, and I think his, you mentioned Bigelow as well. I think when their big men start to come around, and, and Isaiah, obviously, that that redshirt year helped him much like it, it probably, and I know it did help uh, Noah Gurley coming into last year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be huge for them, and I think uh, as he develops, as the season goes along, by, by the time they get into conference play, he's going to be a big-time factor for them because that was kind of uh, the question mark with them losing Cameron Jackson. I even think more than, than losing Fletcher McGee. No, I don't. I don't uh, disagree at all. Um, I, I, I'm just happy for Jay. Obviously, congrats on the new daughter as well. I did see that on social media, so good for him uh, and his and his wife and family. Um, uh, the interesting thing for me is um, with that team is interior defense, interior, um, you know, scoring. Because you know, listen, you, the way basketball is played now, that's what made the Wofford so special last year is having a guy mm-hmm. you can dump it down to, but also kick it out. Now, if you look at the highlights right. of, of the finals last year, when UNCG was up early uh, and kind of mm-hmm. got the score chipped away, they went to Cameron, and even though um, – Cameron Jackson, even though UNCG was trying to not double him, you know, eventually your instincts ca- uh, start to kick in as a player. It's like, oh, shit, you know, this guy's scored the last 10 points. You know, we got we to right. get down there and put a hand, and then they kick it out, and that's how Nathan Hoover got hot. And, you know, yeah. uh, eventually Fletcher got hot, and then it was all she wrote. So – that to me is the interesting kind of situation for, well, for any team really, but for them in particular, because of the way some of those players have flowed through the offense when they had Mike Young. 
Also, by the way, even though this is a SOCOM podcast, congratulations to Mike Young, 300th win, and a nice road win against um, – they played uh, – it was Virginia Tech. Clemson. They played uh, – they played Clemson. That's right. Good call. Uh, I totally blanked on that, but I, I saw the highlights. Happy for Coach uh, Young. Uh, not a better guy out there and uh, former Wofford coach um, mm-hmm. cashing in on a, on a lucrative contract with the Hokies to go home and coach in the ACC um, and winning his dude. How cool is that? You win your 300th win, you get your first road win and you get an ACC win right off the bat. Couldn't, couldn't it be a better start awesome. for him. Yeah. It's awesome. After, Man, after much, got, much. He actually got the schedule Clemson this year because they were in schedule and they offered for <laughs> That's got to be, and I know that that's got to be extra sweet to him talking to him last year with, with Cy about, you know, scheduling issues and um, with a lot of the coaches that I did that piece on, you know, Coach Forbes included. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to be cool to kind of go in there and, and, you know, they didn't really whoop up on him, but, you know, they, they beat him pretty solid. I mean, it was a 10 point game they, and they cut it to seven. Mm-hmm. So good for them. Yeah, um, you won't find that better person out there than Mike Young. I mean, like no, good dude. person. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, but yeah, so and then, look, this is the way I. I, I don't know. How I, I it, I'm not trying to just you know uh, not include um, some of the t- some of the teams that aren't winning on a regular basis in the SoCon, but that's all that people really care about. No disrespect to Sanford, Chattanooga, Western Carolina fans. We're gonna give you your love. We're gonna have your coaches on at some point. We're going to have your players on, especially when they have good games. But early on in the season, you know, it, it's really going to still be about the big four. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with that because, you know, now we go look at ETSU, the prohibitive favorite in the conference. And, they, you know, they put a whooping mm-hmm. on Newberry. And um, mm-hmm. even though it's a, a Division two school, they look strong. Um, they did get mm-hmm. one, um, you know, they got a good diagnosis. But Joe Hughley's out. Uh, that's been my guy that I've been wanting to watch, like, since he transferred to ETSU because yeah, he's up from where I'm from too. in Connecticut. Good dude, funny kid. Um, hope, you know, I think it's now three weeks prognosis versus they thought it might have been mm-hmm. half a season. Yeah, so they that's thought good. it could have been wor- much worse. I mean, right. some were saying you know, it could be most of the season or whatever, but that is good to hear. Um, and I guess that news probably just filtered out in the last couple of days um, because I think that, that scrimmage or that uh, exhibition was – Friday, I want to say it was. Maybe yeah, last yep. Week. Yep. And, um, so, great to hear that. And what, the biggest thing I saw for East Tennessee State last night is how good they played as a team defensively. I thought I was really impressed uh, with Bo Hodges. Uh, you know, when he's healthy, he's a different kind of player. Yep. And um, like I've said all along, he's kind of my, he's kind of my uh, straw that stirs the drink for them. Up in Johnson City, I know they've got a lot of good talent, but but he is the difference maker on both ends of the floor. I don't disagree. Um, I look to this stretch to really find out, and we'll and as we get closer, we'll we'll do a deeper dive. Um, maybe talk to some folks up there. So this listen to this stretch for East Tennessee. Once we get into like right when you get into conference play in January, New Year's Day, home against mm-hmm. Wofford at four o'clock, then. They go three days later. They travel to uh, Furman, at Furman, and they and they sweep back up to Greensboro four days later at UNCG. So they have the three. Yeah, I'm have, sure Coach Forbes is not happy with the South. <laughs> no, but you know what though? This is what's the best thing about this. The best thing, and I he will. I'm gonna hopefully have him on here at some point in the near future. Um, 
I'm going to ask him about the difference of that stretch, not about previewing the games. Cause I know coaches don't like to do that, yeah. but what's the difference about that versus only having, when you have travel partners, which they've gone, they've gone away from yeah. mm-hmm. to now having an extra day to prepare. It's still a tough stretch. No, no question well, about that's it. Pretty, that's a good point. But yeah. they are going to, but they are going to be that. My point is, is you're going to find out who the best teams are in the league more. So not that Wofford had an easy time last year, but Wofford and Furman had uh, were travel partners, right? So when mm-hmm. um, when UNCG made the sweep through the Upstate, they had uh, Furman tough loss at home, and then they got completely waxed by Wofford on their senior night. But they had, what was a day apart? So you have a almost overtime game in, in, yeah, in Greenville. Yeah, forty-eight hours. Oof, that's hours. tough. It's 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 not even it's yeah. not only tough on the players recovery wise, but coaches preparing like you know like especially I mean you know if. Whoever's on the back end of that deal right there, because, okay, so I'll give you an example. Our ETS, so, so same um, with respect to UNCG, the hard fall game in Greenville, both teams, you know, gave all they had. I mean, it was a great basketball Yeah, game. it was a good game. And, and, and then you have to turn around and go play Walker, and you, you lose by double digits. ETSU, the same thing. Uh, they play Walker to yes. overtime, I think. And, yep. and then they can't. They come to Greenville and, and lose like ninety-one to sixty-eight or something. Yeah, and we, and we know those. Those aren't the the real numbers. That's what makes those. That's what makes some of the the losses. Not the not the one in, in Coliseum. Wofford played a perfect game in the Coliseum and just smacked uh, the Spartans around. But that that right. second game, that second game was a result of UNCG had figured some stuff out. They played. They beat Furman at home. Then they then they come down and play the same stretch, and that was tough. I mean, yeah, I wasn't yeah. there, but I was I was I got sick, so I was watching from home. But that made me even mm-hmm. more sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, it is like because you know the first that first Thursday or whatever it was last year, you were going to get the whenever you had those matchups. That, those were going to be the ones to watch. You know, those those were two fresh teams. They were going to you know battle it out and and. Um, you know, I think that uh, obviously, I mean, we know that the um, you know it was funny. I was talking about this last year. Is ETSU and Furman played too? Like, okay, so Furman got blown out in Johnson City, and and ETSU gets blown out in Greenville. So, but it's probably they're probably not that much separation between them either way. Like, um, it's they're pre- they were pretty even basketball teams, but it just so happened that you know. It happened that way. I don't think, you know, ETSU was 23 points worse. Obviously, every team's better on their home court. But, um, um, and, and you know, uh, I think Coach Ford would be the first to say that I, I could make excuses for him, but uh, he wouldn't make it that as an excuse. But we all know it's tough to do. And as media people, I think we can make that excuse that, hey, uh, wait a minute, that is pretty tough. Um, to be able to to have to go and do and um, but yeah, um, you, you also have to to give credit to the teams uh, offered and firm. They obviously play well that night. And of course, of course. That's, an, that's another thing. It's just it's just what night, and especially when you have four good teams, it's just what night you can each team on really in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, it's it's matchup driven too. Like for whatever reason, and I think Carlos Dotson has a big reason for this. You know, UNCG has a tough time with Western Carolina. They always have in Cullowhee. Even when I wasn't covering them from a media perspective, watching you know older West Miller teams, and even prior to that, you know, talking to some alumni, 
always had trouble in, in Cullowhee, you know, you know, beating Western, whether they were good or bad. Um, you know, I think, you know, great example, like Wofford, Sanford always seemed to play Wofford best, almost the best of any team last year mm-hmm. for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Um, and then, you know, same, same thing. I thought Furman, I thought Furman of the teams last year, ETSU, you know, more so than UNCG, but, th- but you see what I'm saying? Like, it was just, it's, it's such an interesting thing. Yeah. Like UNCG beat ETSU twice last year, but ETSU had two incredibly compelling close games against Wofford. And we all know what happened to Wofford right. and UNCG last year with three losses of minimum 12 points. That's crazy. How do you, yeah, how do you, equate, so how do you equate that? It always comes to styles. Um, I think, I think ETSU's size bothered Cam Jackson a little bit more and his ability to mm-hmm. kind of kick out to players. Um, a little bit more depth, but his, but for whatever reason, um, it, their their size didn't didn't bother UNCG. You know what I mean? Like, so it's a very well, well, yeah. It's because um, I think a little a little bit more for for the UNCG ETSU matchup. It was like Alonzo. It seemed like he always had a great game against, or usually more often than not, had a good game against uh, against ETSU. And I think a little bit of that is. He was so mature and like just knew how to move off the basketball. That um, any TSU was pretty young at guard last year, and so he t- he took advantage of his maturity and his savvy as a basketball player, and with a great basketball mind. I think that's that that was probably the difference in those those two that UNCG won was their experience and maturity at the guard position, but then you got Allegri coming off the bench and, and what do you have five threes up there or something? So yeah, yeah the, the, mean, game, the game, the game in Johnson city um, was, was a perfect storm for, and honestly, if it wasn't for Trey board, Trey Boyd having a personal nine Oh run, um, ETSU loses that game. That was crazy too. <laughs> that was crazy. Um, he just decides to be- go on a nine Oh run. Well, because they're down 16, because not only Allegri, Allegri was hitting threes, but, I mean, Kyron Galloway, I think, didn't miss a shot the entire game. He had 14 points. Um, so you have, you have two right, players right, right. who, you know, are, I mean, listen, Kyron scored 32 on LSU, so he's very capable. The, yeah, su- the bigger, su- in that game. Yeah, the bigger surprise was, was Angelo, who, by the way, I think he hit four threes against A&T on, on uh, Tuesday. So he's looking a lot yeah. stronger. Um, he's going to be a good player at 6'7", as playing guard. Um, so mm-hmm. I think – I think that's what that that's very true, but I also think too, and I think you know Forbes would would definitely um, attest this and kind of in, in back this up. Anytime you have a player as dynamic as Francis is from three point land, you dedicate so much time and effort to try to shut him down that sometimes, like he in the game at home, well, not only it tires you out, but like you start to leave cracks for other players. I thought Isaiah Miller had a great yeah. game and had the game winning shot at the Coliseum, right? Um, versus didn't have that great a game um, against them at Freedom Hall. But that's the, te- that's right, the thing, right. man. Like, these teams, these teams, ETSU, UNCG, Furman, Wofford, in my opinion, are going to continue to battle this out. I don't think Wofford, just from, just from watching their, their, their one game, I know it's crazy, but it, I am more convinced now that they are not going to lose as much as other people, other people think. And I hope I'm not wrong about oh, that because I think Jay is doing a great you job. Make a great, you make a great point because – Gardner Webb's whole goal the other night was to take away Jordan Lyons. So they like and then look what happens. Like, yep. Yeah. So like, so like, you know, Alex Hunter's like, well, I'll just go, you know, score thirteen points. Mike Boss yeah. comes up, and hits a couple of threes, and 
it's just like it's almost with with the teams that are the four teams we're talking about. It's like pick your poison. I mean, like um, right. Who, who who are you gonna try and like you know take away? Because if you take away, you add somebody else. It's like it's very true. Um, there's a lot uh, of ripping and re- ripping and replacing of players that have kind of had minimal roles in the last year or two that are now you know, know the culture of each team that can come in and do their thing. Uh, Bothell is a great example at Furman. Um, I think, uh, you know, you look at Angelo Allegri for UNCG. I think that's the, a good one too, yeah. Just, just his, well, because his ability, listen, you know, I, I'm not comparing my own uh, acumen as a basketball player in, in or athleticism, but I know from, from past history of, you know, in another life of being a, a much better athlete than I am now, you hit one three, you hit one three from deep, and then all of a sudden people notice you, and, or you hit two, and then they're covering you tighter. Well, now the lane opens up, right? So that's right. what I thought Angelo brought to the game against A&T. He hit two threes, and then all of a sudden the closeout gets harder, and guess what you can do? You can go to the basket now and create for your right. teammates. And I thought he did a nice job of that um, as a bigger guard. And um, I'm excited for, the, for, for more basketball, man. I, I wish I could be in Lawrence, Kansas, you know, coming from you live somewhere uh you know uh to to do like a remote like i've done at other places kentucky and otherwise but it wasn't in the cards for me i'll be rooting hard or silently hopefully my son will be sleeping by nine o'clock on uh, uh esp espnu time uh tomorrow and real quick let's because they're playing a blue blood do you, how 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 close do you think this is actually as you talk about that i'm going to look up what the uh the the uh the betting line is go ahead well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, um, UNCG, I mean, they still have players that have been been around. You see, I think you called James Dickey old, old faithful, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they've had some – they've got guys that have been through the wars. Um, so, I think that, you know, that helps out a lot. I mean, having veterans like Isaiah and, and James and guys that have been in games like that, like Kentucky last year, LSU, I mean, it's no different. I mean, these – they they're mature enough to understand that the environment they're going to go into is not going to be the easy. Obviously, it's going to be just difficult. But you know, it, it, I think if it, I think UNCG, I mean Kansas for me, the part of the parts of the game that I saw um, the other night, they they were they're good, but I mean they're not like uh, scary good or anything like that. I mean I don't think they're um, I don't think they're okay. Let me give you an example. Uh, they're not comparable to say maybe like Duke last year with Zion and like um, you think about some of the teams that have been so uh, really just talked about and um, Don, you know, the potential to be dominant. I don't get that vibe from Kansas. Now they're a very good basketball team, but I think it's somebody that UNCG can go in and compete with. I don't expect this to be a, a 20 or 30 point, you know, blowout loss or anything like that. In fact, it wouldn't shock me at all if this game's close throughout and then maybe Kansas pulls away at the free throw line in the end or something. But I, I, I would be shocked, actually, if it were a blowout. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Obviously, people are going to think I'm a homer, but I, I, my heart tells me that UNCG can compete at this high level. My brain tells me that because it's so early in the season um, – you know, it's it's going to be an interesting – it'll just be a really interesting, uh, uh, you know, situation. I look at it from this respect, from this perspective, which is, um, you know, uh, 
against Duke, and obviously again, it's not it's Duke. It's not you know North Carolina A and T. UNCG prides themselves on turning turning teams over on pressure defense, et cetera, et cetera. Isaiah Miller is still going to be the best athlete on the court. So when you have the best athlete on the court creating havoc, you have a shot. And if they can get some – listen, this has been the bugaboo of UNCG. This is why the LSU game surprised me in the past. Whenever they've played a, a big-time school, whether a mid or a high major, they've had trouble knocking down open looks. It's why they beat NC State two years back. Jordy was four right. for four from three. They got nine points from Garrett Collins on three threes in the corner. You know, like they had mm-hmm. unlikely sources of, of, you know, I think, I think Francis had, you know, five or six threes. So they were able to expose some things for NC State, but they also scored. You know what I mean? Like against mm-hmm. Kentucky, they scored in the first half. And then once the second half started, you know, they, they were able to keep there for about 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden, Kentucky mm-hmm. just shut everything down. Um, they hit the nine-minute mark of that game, and everything went cold. Yeah, up, up, up five to now down seven. You know what I mean? So, 12-point 12, 12 yeah. swing. And, man, what's crazy about that game is, you know, I think some people thought that, that Kentucky team wasn't very good, but have you seen what Tyler Hero and P.J. Washington are doing in the league right now? That's a yeah, team that UNCG yeah. was right there with. Um, that's what makes that's what Basically, makes this. and then Tyler Hero was the difference against yeah. uh, UNCG, and he was really the – he hit the big shots, I guess, against Wofford, you know, in that game. He hit the so, big shots in that game. Ashton Hagens was great against Alonzo in the second half. He was still with them as a sophomore. So, listen, so that's my point is Kansas, I don't know enough about them because they they, um, they graduated a few players and they got a good recruiting mm-hmm. class coming in uh, in one solid grad transfer. But they just, they just turned the ball over 28 times against Duke. If there's a tailor-made team – for UNCG to hang around with, yeah. who's, who's not a Duke, who's not a um, a, a, a blue blood that's going to shoot them out of the gym. Um, it could be Kansas because sometimes Kansas wins ugly. Um, and well, that's exactly and, and what and West UNCG and his boys want to do. Type of team. UNCG is the type of team that can force them into to 20. You know, if they have 28 against Duke, just, you know, Duke's a little bit different defensively than, than UNCG is as far as, you know, how they're going to, how they're going to approach it. So UNCG, sure. you're going to have to be able to, to you know, throw it over and you know get it over those guys that have links. And it's it's not an easy thing to do. I've I've watched plenty of teams try to do it and be unsuccessful. So um, yeah, I think uh, it, it, one thing that UNCG, what they do is they, and Bob has talked about this a little bit. They take possessions away from you. Yes, uh, but because. They, uh, it's not necessarily that they always get a steal, but they force you to slow it down enough that it takes yep. one or two possessions away from you that you might have against another team, or, or maybe you know three or four. But uh, but that makes a difference because that makes you have to convert at a higher level, which is obviously hard with with guys that defend so well like Miller and Dickey in the paint. Yeah, and um, and uh, one other point on that is Mike Roberts told used to tell me about um the way Isaiah plays at the front of that um, uh, of that zone, he makes you have to make the boring pass over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then there's that one time where you don't, and he snatches it out of the air, and then he dunks right. on your face, and then well, it demoralizes like your team. Yeah. Um, there was the ball he got the hand that, I guess, basically won the game for UNCG. Yeah. You get, you know, I think it's a what's it a two point game or something three point game something like that. You know he gets his hand on that ball, tips it really up to himself, out jumps Gurley, and then 
goes in for a dunk and like you're just like that kid really just he just broke up the pass tipped it to himself tips it over Gurley or whatever and and goes and dunks it so yeah that's why player of the year I mean I mean I had two I had two players last year you know, off off the record, well, not two players, two coaches, you know, a couple head coaches, a couple assistant coaches, not from UNCG, um, from different parts of the SOCON, some at the top, some at the bottom. When I was asking around at the SOCON tournament and um, asking them questions about, you know, their matchups, whatever, they said, hey, am I crazy that I think that, you know, Isaiah Miller deserved first team last year versus Francis Lonzo being second team? And I was like, absolutely not. I mean, the kid – I think for, I think the the offense was trending towards him taking over anyway, and I think mm-hmm. uh, obviously Francis was there for big shots and big opportunities when it was needed. But I think I think it frustrated Francis just a little bit. But when it came down to it, he he realized that listen, this is my last year. As much as I want everything to run through me, this kid is special not only from an offensive side but a defensive side as well. Um, so anyway, um, listen, man, let's uh, let's wrap this up. You got give me a. Give me a UNCG Kansas prediction. I hope they keep it under 10. Give me a score prediction. And then also give me something to look for in the next, you know, week or so before we get into the, to the fourth episode uh, in the SOCON. You got any, you got any key matchups that we should be t- t- uh, paying attention to? Well, I mean, if, if beyond UNCG, uh, there's a couple um, that I would that fascinate me. Tomorrow night, um, Furman and Loyola uh, will cool. play the – the Ramblers coming to Timmins Arena. Um, Hello. So that'll be they. Uh, you know, Krautwig, their big guy, was the the preseason Valley Player of the Year. That's yep. a very good league. They're a very good basketball team, and uh, so that'll be a test. Uh, another one that caught my eye was Gardner Webb at Western Carolina. Now that's going to be an interesting game because having seen Gardner Webb now, and having you know watched a little bit of of, of Carlos Dotson. Um, they're not uh, they're not as big as Georgia, obviously. Um, so it'll be I'll, I'll be watching how they approach defending because uh, you know I thought that that Gurley and and Max had some success. Well, if they had some success, we know how good uh, Carlos Dotson is. At, you know, of using his body and how physical he is. So that'll be an interesting matchup. And I'll also be fascinated to see how they defend Perez, the shooter for Gardner-Webb, um, that can just get on a roll and really hit a lot of shots. And, and uh, the other all-conference guard, they have Nate Johnson. So that's one that caught my eye. And, and my score prediction for um, UNC Greensboro and Kansas, I'm going to go Kansas, uh, uh, let's say 68 um, UNCG 59. Dude, if that's the score, the, I, if that, if that's the score, then I think some UNC, UNCG from a, an analytic standpoint would be very happy. I was just saying that if they can keep this under 10 throughout for a vic, for a loss, it's a moral victory for them in the SOCON based off of how potentially getting a second bid into the tournament, because the losses they had last year, they, they were able to keep the LSU game at six, and they lost 97-91, which was clutch. But that, that Kentucky game, game yeah. yeah, Kentucky game got away from them late because West tried to press and try to get some extra possessions, um, and that turned into a free throw shooting contest, which Kentucky obviously won. So it was like 77-61. You know, anyone was there. I was there. It was not a it was not a 16-point game. So 
Um, right. If they any, any of these teams, ETSU plays Kansas. Um, you know, I know there's some some other bigger games. Those two always stand out because they play the same team. They also play LSU. I think ETSU as well. So any time that you can keep a, a, a loss in a conference mm-hmm. that is looking for a second bid under 10 against a high major top 10, top 20 opponent, it's going to help the conference mm-hmm. immensely. So let's look for that. Hopefully that will happen. And let's hope that next next podcast that you and I do, we're talking about UNCG with the biggest win in program history, biggest game, biggest win for the SOCON in many years, which would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be it. That would be, uh, and especially be huge. The- I mean, to think about it, if you had that happen, you'd have, okay, so two years ago, Walford beat North Carolina last year, Furman beat Villanova, yes. and this year you'd have UNCG. Either or, whether it's ETSU or UNCG. Or ETSU. You could literally pick off three of the best college basketball programs in, you know, in the nation yeah. in three, con- three consecutive years, so. And, 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 this, and no disrespect to any of the other wins, but, you know, like Jeff Goodman has picked Kansas to win the national championship this year. Just that's, right, you know, right. that, you know, so, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, Wofford almost beating Kentucky last year. I mean, they beat South Carolina by 20, but no one was picking South Carolina to, to do anything last year. Still a great win, but let's, let's pick off one of these big boys that has a chance to make the final four and really show mm-hmm. this committee that given the opportunity and the right seating, that a UNCG, an ETSU, a firm, and even a Wofford this year can make a run past the second round. That's what I want. I'm more, I'm more convinced that, you know, if, after we saw what happened with Penn and Alabama the other night, I'm like, you know, why can't Furman go down there and do that? You they know, definitely like can. And they probably yeah, will. So. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, but yeah, that we, there's a chance, there's a, a few games, and, and Kansas is not the only one. I mean, uh, who is it? Uh, you guys got, um, NC State, is that right? At yeah, your place? at home, at home, yeah. So there's yep. several opportunities here that I think there's there's you know, a there's an away game at Vermont, which is a really highly ranked uh, mid major. It's it, it West said this uh, his first coach's show. It's the it's the hardest schedule they've ever had out of conference since he's been here, based off of you know just due diligence over the last few years trying to get some people mm-hmm. to kind of really commit. Vermont's a very um, good program there. That yeah. that Lamb guy they got up there is a very good player. Um, sure. So I'll be interested to see. That'll be a fascinating matchup uh, to watch. For sure, and, um, man. Different guess, styles. Yeah, and and like like I said, I think at Mid Major Madness we had them pretty highly ranked in our, our polls. So for sure, um, that would be a great right, non-conference win for for the SoCon. Well, listen. Um, thank you for taking some time to be my co-host again. I really appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll definitely convene over the weekend when some of these teams have played a couple games, got a couple games under their belt. And um, if uh, if UNCG is is winning against Kansas, don't be uh, surprised to see text messages from me with expletives <laughs> that I won't use on our SoCon sessions. Okay. Well, All right. I hope I do. I hope I do see some of those, and I, I hope that UNCG can can bring home a win for the league. And you know that'd be you know we would immediately get some some publicity for that. I'm sure. I'm, I'm no doubt we would. So. Wouldn't it be awesome if the, if if UNCG and ETSU beat Kansas this year? That would be <laughs> effing amazing. I want that so much. Like I, I hope ETSU beats LSU too. But it would be so cool if the top two preseason picks in the SoCon said, "Oh yeah, you guys only want to give us one bid last year. That's cool. We'll go beat national championship we'll contender we'll Kansas, and we'll take care of business on our own. And if you don't recognize that that we beat them in 
uh, uh, Fog Allen Arena, then I mean, I don't know right. what else you, you have to do. But anyway, and then that would be, that's my could go. The Furman could take down Auburn, and then you'd have a third oh, straight year where SoCon team let's go. down a, a Final Four team from. The what if Wofford years. beats Duke? What if Wofford beats yeah. Duke? Let's do this. Come on, let's baby. Do it. Why not? I yeah, mean, not? I mean, I mean, like, I mean, heck, Wofford's got enough shooters. Listen, Wofford's got enough shooters to hang with that Duke team. It's just a matter of oh, can yeah, they stop yeah. their interior players? That was my question. Yeah, from what I saw, the tougher of their two matchups is going to be North Carolina. Um, I, I like their matchup against Duke. <laughs> um, All right, with well, the, with the guys you heard it, you, you heard it here first. Good. Multiple upsets for the SoCon. Um, we're calling for it. <laughs> Uh, and if if they don't win, well, whatever. All right. Hey, good talking to you, brother. And uh, we'll see everybody that's listening. I appreciate everybody that's listening. More content to come. Hopefully we'll do some video stuff too. We're just doing the audio right now. It's just easier, easier for us mobily um, or with mobility. But if I do any coaching interviews, guys, I am going to try to do a side-by-side uh, video of, uh, of, of Jay and myself or Coach Forbes or whoever, you know, Coach uh, – you know, Coach Miller at UNCG and, uh, and and Richie and whatnot. So we'll we'll try to get that going. And if and if John can be in on that too, we will definitely have him in and uh, for for a different perspective. So, John, thanks so much, and everybody that's listening, thank you for listening to SoCon Sessions episode three, and we will see you next week. Yeah, see you next week. All right, thanks.